Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have a very interesting founder today from Germany. Uh, and I think that we're gonna be learning a lot about the uh, cars, about solar, uh, you name it, you know, building and scaling. You know, he's a serial founder, has done it multiple, multiple times, but I guess without further ado, let's have himself tell us his story. So without further ado, Lauren Han, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Very good uh, to be here. Um, yeah, so, I'm Lauren. I'm Lauren from Germany uh, and founder of Soda Motors. There you go. As, uh, as people who say there, willkommen. So willkommen to the show. Willkommen. <laughs> <laughs> willkommen aus Deutschland. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So originally you were born and raised in Munich. So how was life right. there? Right, uh, pretty good right now through Corona, of course, a little bit, you know, distracted, but um, it's nice to grow up here. Very nice city, uh, very good, uh, nice people, a very interesting startup hub because a lot of, you know, new companies growing here. Uh, it's, Germany is really catching up in the startup scene. Got it. And, and did you have, a, like, maybe anyone in your family, an entrepreneur? Because obviously, you know, it seems that it's very much engraved in the, in the family. Many of you have gone out and, and started companies. Yeah, well, uh, my, like my, my, my parents not, but my brothers are also entrepreneurs. They started several companies by their own. And I actually founded my first company when I was 17 with, with my brothers together. So I have two older brothers. And we started a company uh, in 2012 back then. And uh, yeah, that was basically the, the, the milestone, my first milestone um, on, the, on the road to an entrepreneur. And how was that uh, like? Because, I mean, at 17, I remember I was still playing PlayStation. So what, <laughs> what got you into, into launching a business, you know, so young? Well, yeah, you know, um, was quiet. was really good. was good because um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my brothers, which are older, and, um, and they had already some experience with founding or managing companies. And I learned a lot. And that was basically, for me, um, the first step into that, that, that direction. But at the same time, I knew I wanted to do something on my own. And I knew I wanted to do something for fighting climate change and do something uh, against it. And that's why, um, you know, uh, some years later, I founded Sona Motors together with my 
co-founder who, who, who I went to school with. So my, my best friend, um, which I know since 20 years. And you're talking about you wanted to do something about climate change. So I'm wondering at what point did you have that first exposure or, or started to really become educated to the, to the problem? Well, good question. Um, I think it was I was 16, 15, 16 when, when we started um, to talk heavily about things evolving, technology, green technology, climate change, what can we do against it? And, and, and if you go into the topic, you quickly see that burning fossil fuels is one of the main issues here. And that's exactly what we're trying to tackle with Sonomotors. Because with electric vehicles, we can, we can you know, gain independency of fossil fuels, of oil, of crude oil, um, with electromobility, with electric cars. So that's why we started Sono Motors. That's why we said we have to do something about it. We, we have to take matters into our own, own hands. Got it. And obviously you did this with your, with your very best friend. So uh, how was that conversation? I mean, how were you guys kind of like thinking about this and incubating the idea and, and, and really that process of, of bringing the idea to life, starting with, uh, you know, building the prototype for three years in the garage of your co-founder? Right, right, right. So back, to, it, it all goes back to one phone call we had. Um, that was in 2012, where we talked about fossil fuels and the dependency on, 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 you know, crude oil and that we have to deal something about it. And, and then we came to the point that we said, said, okay, the transport sector has so much capabilities to, to evolve that we have there a totally new trend coming up, the electromobility. And back then in 2012, nobody knew Tesla. Tesla was not, you know, Tesla Model S wasn't produced in, in series yet and, and stuff. And then we said, okay, we have to do something there. And then we looked into what is the perfect electric car? What is the main hurdles of the electromobility today? And then we came up with price, range, and infrastructure. So price, range, and infrastructure are the main hurdles you have for the consumer to buy an electric vehicle. And then that's why we said, okay, what is the perfect electric car? How does it look like? And we came up with the concept of design, the electric car we're producing now, which is an electric vehicle, family-friendly, 250 kilometers range, $25,000, including VAT, and and the best thing, solar integration into the whole car body. So the car is recharging itself during stand time. And we have also integrated car sharing, ride sharing, and power sharing, and made sure that we can use the battery for vehicle-to-grid application. So we've really thought into how can we make electromobility more user-friendly, more uh, affordable, and we worked into a concept and said, okay, let's build this. And back then we said, okay, let's not talk about it. Let's do something. And went to the garage of, of, of Jonah. And this, you know, you have to imagine it was a very small garage. It was like two meters times four meters or something. It was like so small. It was just for one car. And then we, 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 we started to build there a first prototype by hand. And it took us three years. We, we originally planned 
on six months. But as always, it took way longer than you think. And um, basically, you know, after three years, we had the concept in place, we had the technology in place, and we knew, okay, we can do something out about it. And that was the point when we said, okay, now we're founding a company. Got it. And obviously, that was a big decision for you because, you know, right at the time where you were starting up the business, you know, that's the time where all your friends were going to university. And in fact, you went to university for doing electrical engineering and you lasted the incredible amount of one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, oh yeah, that, 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 that was a good learning for me. So what happened is basically we, we went into the, into the garage and built up this, this, this uh, prototype then. But our parents start at, started asking questions about it, like, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing this? Does it have any future? And, and basically, we didn't answer them that we had this big plan in place where we wanted to found a company. So they were like thinking, oh, God, what, 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 what is happening to our guys there? What is happening to our sons? And basically, back then, then, they said, okay, please just study something. And then we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to study something. Um, and, and I decided on electro, uh, elect, electrical engineering. But I went to university, and after the first day, I realized this is not my way. This is not the way I want to go because I'm losing four years of my life studying something and coming out and I can't do anything more than today. And that was the point where I said, I will quit after one day and really focusing on that one goal to bring this prototype to the street and to found a company. And that's exactly what we did. Obviously, I'm not going to ask as to how the conversation went with your parents. After oh, that. yeah, don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> but but let, let's talk about then, you know, like the decision was made and, and you guys, you know, have the, the car, you know, being, being built, you know, the prototype in the garage. So what, what happens next when, when you guys are already like, you know, clear that you want to start a business? What were the next steps? So the next step was we, we, we founded the company together with a third co-founder, Navina, which she's a... She used to be my roommate, and she, you know, got involved into this. And then we were the three young people of us uh, starting a company. And the main basic question was funding, where we get the funding from. And so we had to be very efficient at the beginning because we started up as, as a small company and, 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 you know, had the first office into place in, in, in the back, you know, in the backyard of a uh, tailor shop. Uh, basically, a six square meter big office. So it's just a very small room in the in the, in the you know in the back room of of a tailor shop. And it was so funny because looking back, we had the first supplier meetings or the first meetings with investors in a tailor shop, and they were like, "Hey, I, am I on wrong? Is is this the wrong address?" And then and we like, "Hey, no, no, this is just you know starting up and all that." But yeah, no. Luckily, it turned out we quickly could move to a different office and it got bigger. And, you know, today, uh, 400 employees working on the project, uh, a big company, and we made it. But still, back then, it was, you know, a tough challenge to come over it. I hear you. I hear you. And obviously, uh, you guys have uh, have raised quite a bit, too. So I want to I wanna talk about that. But but before that, you know, like, just so that the people have a clear understanding of, of what you guys are doing, I mean... What's, what's exactly the business? I mean, t 
tell us about you know the model you know like the, yeah. the how you guys were making money i mean how everything yeah. works really yeah yeah sure so uh just formally uh sona motors um envisions a world in which every car on the street is electric and shared this is where we want to go and that's why we built the company on two pillars first is sona motors as an a car manufacturer so we developing and selling cars and secondly we see ourselves as a mobility service provider so car sharing ride sharing and power sharing and building up the company on two pillars is very interesting because we sell cars to customers and they use it uh, in a daily basis for car sharing ride sharing uh, and their own and make money with it and we get recurring costs or we can we get recurring um, revenues for it. So we're building up a peer-to-peer car share without having any investment in it. Very nice business model, very interesting. If you look at how how the whole automotive industry will will evolve. So what you have here actually is a hundred years old industry which is now suddenly all of, all of the sudden in the last three years changing massively changing we have a huge disruption here because they have to move from combustion engine to electric vehicles they have to move from normal business model of selling cars to mobility service and the whole industry it has to deal with the fact of autonomous driving and those three pillars make bring up a window of opportunity where you have you know big old players so powerful so good at what they did the last 100 years standing at the same line as we do because it's totally new to them and this window of opportunity is open for i think the next one or two years where we exactly come into and bring a new product to the market and can have to have the chance, um, you know, to meet a new market, a totally new market, which is there yet. Got it. Got it. I mean, obviously, there's a, definitely a lot happening, you know, in this space. You know, when you guys started the business, you know, back in 2013, I mean, obviously, nobody knew that that you guys were going to have such good timing, right? Because I think that timing also, right. as an entrepreneur, is everything. Uh, and right. obviously, for a company like this, you guys, you know, like need money. How much capital have you guys raised to date? So we have raised in total something like 75 million until yet. And uh, was, you know, funding was one of the toughest challenge we had, just to be very honest. And I think every entrepreneur listening to the podcast knows it, um, especially if you, have, if you have a business model, which is hardware. It's even harder than you know raising money than a software business model. So, why do you think that's the case? It's about scalability. It's about um, it's about are they making it, and it's about how how much investment do you need upfront to be break even. And basically, if you have a software, just software based business model, it's always like you can come to the market very early. You can scale it up very easily and it's 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 there with you know i don't know, five people in a team 
if you have a hardware business model, you have processes, you have a product development, you have um, a lot of funding required to come to to start of production, and it makes it is it's a totally new thing, a uh, different thing. The, the opportunity is big, no no question about it. Like if we succeed, this will be a multi billion dollar company we have. How yeah. how big do you think the market is? Ah, well, the market is you. You, you have hundred million cars being sold every year. That's basically the market, and we're having wow. right now one percent, one point five percent sales of electric vehicles. But it will it will change to eighty, ninety, maybe even hundred percent electric vehicles being sold in the next. Um, 10 to 20 years. So the market opportunity is huge. But the question is, who is going to make it? Is, is a new player going to make it? Or is an old one going to make it? And if you look at the, the iPhone, Nokia example, or the WhatsApp, MSN example, then you say you can make it as a new player. You just have to be in the right time. You just have to be with the right product and have to have a solution which is really user-friendly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that in this case for you guys, you know, there was a, a big breakdown that led into, into one of the most incredible, you know, fundraising stories that I've, you know, heard in a while. So, so what happened during that negotiation that, you know, really got you guys thinking this could be the, the end? Ah, a good one. So what happened basically is, we had several successful funding rounds in the past, but then had a bigger one coming up to Series B uh, last summer and basically had negotiation going on with one, um, with, with one investor, um, nine, nine rounds of negotiation, six months it took, took us. And um, it, w- it was all fine, term sheets assigned. We wanted to go to the notary. It was all, almost finished. And this turned all around the... Uh, the, the the investor we talked to uh, changed changed his uh, way and he he completely wide off the terms we agreed on and we had to you know then make a decision are we continuing like this or are we going a different direction and continuing but like this would mean that we've sold the company uh, for bad price and uh, made made the decision that the sign would not come to the street, just the patents would be taken off of this company. And we said, no, this is not the way we want to go. This is um, completely not the way why, 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 we, why we started the company. And we want to do something about climate change and you know, change something for the better. And that's why we decided for a different way, we decided to go uh, with the community. With the community, we build up our, around our, our brand and came up with the idea to launch the biggest, one of the biggest crowdfunding campaigns ever been made. And that's what we did. Uh, we, we came up with uh, a crowdfunding campaign started in December, December 2019, um, where we raised in one month um, 53 million euros. So Very it's cool. 60, 60, 60 uh, million dollars. But but let's 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 dig into this a little bit because probably the people that are listening are right now with their mouth open, you know. So so I guess uh, walk us through that, you know, experience and and through that process because you know obviously you literally built 
the process, you know, and the way to accept those contributions, whether it was in the form of investments or donations uh, directly via your own platform, you know, rather than using, you know, one of the players there that, you know, yeah. are doing crowdfunding in, in Europe. So, so why did you do this? Oh, that was crazy because we, we, when, we, when we planned this crowdfunding campaign, we, we looked up if there's any platform meeting or matching our requirements. And then we came to the conclusion, no, there is none. There is, there's no platform where we can have equity, debt, and donation at the same time. There's, there's nothing like this. So we had to build our own solution. And we sat down together with our team, uh, marketing team, and asked them, hey, can we, can we build something like this? And they said, okay, yeah, let's try. And we had just one month left. And under very time pressuring, the whole team worked really on it, did a great job. And we came out with our own platform, uh, built up our own platform where we could launch a crowdfunding campaign with in-depth equity and donations. Wow. So, Lauren, so, so obviously here, you know, you guys launched this uh, really big uh, equity, you know, crowdfunding campaign. And what I was wondering, how long did it take from beginning to end until you had the platform up and running? And then also from beginning to end until you were able to really raise the 53 million? Yeah, yeah, sure. So basically, we had one month to prepare everything. And we, we, we had this huge time pressure that we had to start the campaign at the beginning of December, you know, shortly before Christmas. This is a good time. And so we had this, you know, small window of, 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 of opportunity to launch this campaign and um, made it. We made it with a lot of tears and sweat. Um, a lot of long nights. Um, we launched uh, at the beginning of December, 1st of December, this campaign, and then had this campaign running for 50 days. So until the 20th of uh, January. And was it was crazy because before Christmas, this went very well. Between Christmas and New Year, it went not good because obviously there's nothing happened. No one is, you know, everyone is on a vacation. Everyone is having dinner with the families and then it picked up again so was 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 some crazy times um we had to do a lot of marketing efforts a lot of efforts to you know get the voice out to get the story out and um yeah basically really really worked through the time it was one of the toughest time in my life a lot of work no christmas no new years um just working 24 7 but was good was real good because we as a team showed that when we had a big problem, we can turn this into an opportunity and we can make a success out of it. And that's, that's the best thing you can show with your own company. That's amazing. So one of the questions, uh, Lauren, that, uh, that typically I ask the guests that come on the show is, you know, obviously you've been at it now for a while, since 2013. You know, you've had the ups and downs. I mean, this crazy story with, with funding that is remarkable. and and super inspiring, and I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening, you know, are really going to be inspired by it as well. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you had the time to go back and have a chat with your younger self, with with perhaps, you know, like when, when you were at that garage, you know, thinking like, hey, you know, like, am I going to do a company around this thing or what's going to be, you know, the, the, the next chapter for me? Uh, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to your younger self before launching a business and why, knowing what you know now? <laughs> Good question. Um, so two, two advices I would give. The first thing is 
really build a product which is in need for the customer, which is really making our lives better. And don't believe that. Show it by data. Show it by examples. Show, show it by facts. That's very important. Don't build up a business just believing that you, your product is the best one. Show it with data. Bring customers to the product. That's a very, you know, very basic advice I can give, but it's so important. And the second thing is be aware if you found a company, it's one of the toughest things you can do. It's going to be a 24-7, 20, really 24, like it, it's going to be a job which is changing your life and you have to work very, very hard to be successful with it. The chance that you fail by founding a company is so high. There's so many failures that you have to work so hard to make it a success. So if you start a company, do it, go for it, be foolish, but be also realistic and be realistic about the work effort you have to put in. This is not an easy job. This is not like, you know, something what you can do on a on, on weekend. This is a full-time job you really have to work on. And that's the advice I can give. Very cool. Well, very cool. Uh, and, and, and then for the, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way to reach out, Lauren, and, and say hi? Uh, hit me on LinkedIn. Hit me on Twitter. Uh, any, anything by that. Um, Slack or uh, uh, email. Just, you know, there's some, some way. Google my name and you will find a way to reach out to me. Amazing. As they say, where there is a will, there is a way. So, Lauren, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show. It has been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. It was great fun and, you know, I hope I could give some interest, insights there. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.